Rewind is brought to you by Press Play to Continue and recorded in the great city and state of Austin, Texas, also known as the live music capital of the world. It is written, produced, and edited by me, Corey Latimer. Now, if you'd like to show your support by keeping Press Play to Continue weird, head on over to my Patreon at pressplaytocontinue slash patreon.com. I sincerely thank you for your time, your love, and your generosity of showing me. Let's me know I'm actually going down the right path in life. Thank you. Now, on to the show. The tranquil idea of clocking in at a mid-90s computer tech company is only what some hope and dream of, right? No? Am I wrong to be so ignorant by the lack of misconception of a 40-hour work week in a place of self-loathing and misery? Probably. (laughs) What Office Space people does so well from the opening sequence is captures the soul of I-35. Literally. It was filmed in Austin, Dallas, Texas, Mike Judge is considered to be a force in the entertainment industry nowadays. But back in 1999, he was only a mere novice at best. Sure, he had Beavis and Butthead under his wing, which received widespread critical acclaim, particularly for his satirical and scathing commentary on society. But it was also a subject of controversy for its violent content and, you know, it offended a lot of people. Trust me, you know, nowadays, Beavis and Butthead would never make it into a contemporary TV market space. Sadly, to understand the entirety of what, uh, make, you know, makes Office Space, you know, what it does so well, is simple, really. The simplicity of the cubicle grind on a day-to-day, and understanding the embodiment of your average white-collar Joe. I, you know, for one, have never been a part of such a family, thankfully. You know, so we find Peter Gibbons, who's the main protagonist within, you know, Office Space itself, who's played also by Ron Livingston. You might know him from the HBO series Band of Brothers, which you should watch. It's a great series. Uh, I believe it's set in the World War II era. Uh, Or, you know, he's also in the other HBO series, uh, Sex and the City. Um, If you haven't watched that, I've watched a few episodes myself. Hate to admit that, but I have. (laughs) But he's a frustrated and unmotivated programmer who works at a company called Inatech. You know, for Peter, stuck in his cookie-cutter apartment with the paper, you know, paper-thin walls and IKEA furniture, every day is worse than the one before it, unfortunately. And his girlfriend, Anne, who eventually confesses to cheating on Peter, wants him to go to, like, this occupational hypnotherapist. Never heard of it you know, up until this movie, you know, to help him relieve stress in his life due to an untimely heart attack that the therapist encounters while performing the hypno, you know, the hypnotherapy on Peter. Peter is influenced by the process and leads life onwards throughout the movie. So pretty much he is constantly under a state of meek euphoria at this point uh, because he's under like this uh, hypnosis in a sense, if you will. So that's when things get interesting for the audience. Peter's a carefree, confident, mellow kind of a guy now. He neglects the idea of going into work that weekend when his boss asks him, Bill Lumberg, who we get to now. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, 
we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Who is played also by Gary Cole. You know, he's the actual boss of Inatech. He has served as the main antagonist of the film. He drives a blue Porsche 911. Very cool, sleek-looking car. I think it's from the 80s. Um, you know, it has actually a vanity license plate. that says, My Porsche, but it's my, and then P-R-S-H-E. He wears a formal, solid-colored day dress shirts and suspenders with a belt. So, Blumberg is your typical micromanager. We've all been there. We all have had micromanagers constantly. I still have them, but, uh, you know, I contend with it. You know, so he, he's actually pretty much focused on busy work and paperwork, notably the actual TPS reports. Uh, he greets subordinates with his unenthusiastic, what's happening? <laughs> and, you know, when asking an employee to do an unpleasant task, starts the sentence with, I'm going to need you to. He likes to draw out his uh, his sentences to people. He, he nails the part Gary Cole does. He, does, he just does it so well. I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too, okay? Uh, or he'll, you know, come out with the, uh, the idea of, you know, if you could go ahead and... <laughs> It's just really funny how he portrays it so well. Um, they used to have a good buddy of mine, and we used to always make fun of this character, you know, on a constant basis between, you know, him and I. Yeah, hi, it's Bill Lumber. Yeah, it's... Yeah, hi, it's Bill Lumber. Yeah, it's me again. Uh, I was away from my desk for a minute. Yeah, hi, it's Bill Lumber. It's about 10 o'clock. But, you know, he would always end each request, too, with, that would be great. Or terrific. Okay. <laughs> I very much enjoyed doing a podcast about this movie because it's, I think I've started watching this movie, I believe, when I was, I don't know, I don't know, like at 10 or 11 years old, I think, if I can remember correctly. Uh, and it just... It's, it's, it's kind of a comfort movie, if that makes sense. And I'm sure people have those. I have them, obviously. You know, not just Office Space, but other movies, you know, within that realm. But to move along the actual podcast itself, the other two main protagonists are Michael Bolton. No, 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 not the pop singer, <laughs> but the software programmer. Michael Bolton? That's me. Wow, is that your real name? Yeah. <clears throat> so are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. Who is played by David Herman. What's funny about David Herman is that he had a contract still in play with Mad TV at the time. And, you know, he actually, to break from that contract so that he could star in this Mike Judge classic was that he was in a script read session with Mad TV cast itself, and he kept yelling his lines extremely loud. <laughs> ah, what a way to go, right? He was later fired because of the said incident. He got it, you know, he obviously got his wish and started in the cult classic, though. You know, we actually turned to Samir Nai Nanajad, if I'm saying that correctly. I think I did, I think I actually am this time. Oh, not again. I, why does it say pepper jam when 
no paper jam. I swear to God, I, one of these days, I, I, I just kicked this piece of shit out the window. Which is a great thing, because uh, I had to listen to it a few handful of times anyways, just to get the name down right. But um, he's actually played by Ajay. See, I, I, I didn't get this part, but I think it's Ajay Nadu. His known respectable moments in his acting career include actually Bad Santa, Requiem for a Dream, which I haven't seen yet. I still want to see that movie. Heard it was excellent, but very depressing at the same time. And he was also in The Sopranos. I've seen a few episodes of The Sopranos, but I, I don't know. I, I have to get like in the right mindset to uh, watch a mafia-themed type of a movie, such as Goodfellas. Goodfellas is great, by the way. I might do a podcast like that on the future. But he actually... Uh, uh, Nadu actually had uh, extensive training, uh, theater training rather, at Harvard University, believe it or not, which is pretty impressive. So meanwhile, a pair of business consultants, Bob Slidell and Bob Porter. Are you any relation to the pop singer? No, it's, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. For my money, I don't know if it gets any better than when he sings When a Man Loves a Woman. But you must really love his music, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's 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 pretty he's pretty good, I guess. You're goddamn right he is. Also known as the Bobs, are brought in, you know, to help the company downsize. Peter, Michael, and Samir decide to, you know, take revenge by infecting Inatix account, you know, accounting system with a computer virus designed by Michael to divert fractions of pennies into a, a you know, I guess in a, in a sense like in a in a personal bank account. Kind of like in Superman 3, they keep bringing that up within the movies. I've never seen Superman 3, but apparently uh, that kind of on the same plot line as within that movie. And the term is actually called salami slicing in the hacking world, if that makes sense. So pretty much what they're doing is taking, like I just stated, fractions of a penny uh, and over a period of time where the company can't really catch uh, the withdrawal because they're so it's so tiny uh, it would be very hard to I guess see what was actually going on within you know the, the, the uh, accounting department so yeah I mean I forgot to mention Peter found another love interest in Joanna who is played by Jennifer Aniston uh, I've always had a crush on Jennifer Aniston since Friends I remember watching Friends with my sisters when they would babysit me. And, uh, yeah. I, I think I, I'm trying to remember. I think she, I had a crush on her probably when I was, like, eight years old, which is weird. But I guess I knew right away that, you know, obviously I liked women, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she was, she was actually casted to accommodate Fox's desire to have a, recon- you know, recognizable star in the film. Although... They were concerned that her part was too small, so Judge, my Judge, you know, the main director within the movie itself, he was also actually a, an actor, too, within the movie, and I'll get to that in a little bit later. But, yeah, so Judge made up this uh, subplot involving her battle with her boss over the, her flair, and she was written out of a sex dream sequence, along with dialogue indicating she actually had slept with Peter's boss, Bill Lumberg. Little nice little quick antidote there for you. Another little quick um, moment was actually Kate Hudson. She uh, was trying to read for the part of Joanna, but I guess she was obviously not casted uh, ultimately. So 
But that'd been kind of interesting, you know, interesting to see as far as uh, Kate Huston uh, is concerned. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> what I enjoy seeing in film is when the director plays a part in their movie. Oh, right here. Uh, is that, you know, Mike Judge did in The Office. He played, the, you know, uh, the boss of Joanna at Tchotchkes. We need to talk about your flair. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, uh, well, well, okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum or, uh, well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. Okay. A terrific smile. Okay, so you, you want me to wear more? Look, Joanna. Yeah. People can get a cheeseburger anywhere, okay? They come to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the attitude. You know, so I think in my mind, anyways, the film becomes a lot more meaningful when I see that happen. Same goes for Stan Lee and all his, all his uh, superhero movies. I think he's an incredible genius, and it's unfortunate that uh, we, we lost him, I think, uh, either last year or the year before. I, you know, I can't remember exactly, but rest in peace, big guy. Uh, it was a great loss, uh, especially within the, the cinema industry and the comic book industry. And I just love seeing it, honestly, dude. And it's just, um, it's kind of incredible to see, um, you know. And I think if I was a director, I, I think I would want to try to put myself into each film I make or whatever it may be, you know. Um, one of the great scenes I actually love within this whole entire movie, and a lot of people do, uh, as well, um, but I love seeing Peter, Samir, and Michael ultimately want to celebrate by quitting Enatech and steal their beloved copy printer machine, Friend. They take the printer out in a field and batter it into pieces. So this scene was actually inspired by Judge's experience with his own printer while riding Beavis and Butthead to America. You know, he actually told his own co-writer, Joe Stillman, that he was so frustrated by it that when he was done with the script, he planned to take it out into the field and destroy it with while videotaping the actual process of it. So apparently the whole sequence was largely improvised by Nadu Samir, um, adds that they were actually trying to do it in a way that evoked how the mafia would do it and, you know, someone that was actually getting whacked in a sense. But Livingston thus played the part of the Don or the mob boss, you know, uh, circling behind Nadu and Herman while sticking countless blows with a bat, you know, their feet and also their fists. It's, it, the, the scene is just pretty incredible. And it, obviously the music uh, that was in the background just, like, it coincided so well with the actual scene itself. So it, it actually is pretty impressive and uh, by the fact that it, a lot of it was improvised. Uh, so I appreciate that fact. I really do, from an you know, from an audience standpoint, anyways. So the film contains many improvised moments. So another example was actually you know recalled when Paul Wilson, uh, he was one of the Bobs, uh, Bob Porter rather, you know, couldn't pronounce Samir's last name properly, so he would say, "Naga, Naga, not gonna work here anymore." <laughs> um, you know, when they were trying to get their layoffs into play. Uh, I thought that was a pretty impressive moment, knowing now, uh, you know, after doing my research, 
that it was actually improvised. Uh, another improv improvisation also helped solve some problems with the script. Uh, originally, Bolton was to refer to the singer that shared his same name as a no-singing asshole. However, you know, David Herman said that the film decided to not include that because it would imply he did not sing his own song. Speaking of the real Michael Bolton. So Herman came up with the tagline of no talent ass clown, which I think flew, uh, you know, it was it would flow better within the, the actual the scene itself. So job well done, David Herman. <laughs> I like I also I love hearing actors like bringing, you know, little tidbits or little lines within the movie that the director or the writer didn't put into the script and uh, molding it better. And uh, I, I like the fact that um, they accepted from the actors, like, yeah, what about this line? And, you know, and I just I just find that pretty fascinating. I really do. So kind of going actually into the uh, box office end of things. So Office Space was released on February 19th of, you know, 1999. It was actually pretty much across America for sure. And then it eventually went to, you know, international uh, theaters. But it was actually uh, in 1,740 theaters. Unfortunately, uh, it only grossed in about $4.2 million on its opening weekend. Um, it went on to eventually make uh, 10.8 million in North America, and then the international releases brought in another 2 million. On home release, 6 million copies have been sold since February 12th, 2006. I'm sure that number has gone up since. The critical reception of the film is mostly positive now. Uh, actually, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know if you follow them, but it actually has rated it a solid 80%, which is pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, for Rotten Tomatoes, I kind of look at them. I also look at Metacritic some uh, to kind of see what movie is pretty good, and then I, I try to make my own spin on it as well. And usually, I kind of go by what actor I like. And I'll like, for instance, I'll I'll definitely always I'll try to make a point to always see like a Christian Bale movie. Um, but this this just has some meaning to it. Office Space does, so that's why I want to make it into episode twenty. Um, but so, yeah, actually, according to Judge, a studio executive blamed the movie exclusively for the failure, telling him nobody wants to see a little movie about ordinary people and their boring lives. That, my friends, is the definition of a complete asshole. Wow. You know, just, I think there's a lot of hatred nowadays. Uh, especially within the movie industry. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, eh, a lot of corruption. Um, I hate, I hate to, I don't know, I hate to see that, but it is what it is, unfortunately. I hate to accept that. Um, that's another thing, too, about movies. I try to, especially nowadays, there's like a lot of blockbuster quote-unquote hits that I don't find really hits, and they're not. Um, so I try to look for indie movies and they seem to do better for me anyways. I don't know about y'all, but no, I, I digress, but I, I'm also kind of curious by the fact of if office space actually released, you know, in 2020, you know, in, in current times, what it would actually do if it hold up or if it would, you know, be worse or I don't know. Let me know. I have an Instagram, you know what it is. 
and I have a phone number. You can text me your thoughts and ideas on it as well. But to wrap things up, because, uh, you know, I've been not necessarily going for too, too long. It's probably on a mediocre scale as, as far as my uh, particular episodes are concerned. But to wrap things up, there's actually two more important characters that I wanted to bring into the table. And another thing, too, about when I do a topic on, you know, a movie or video games, whatever it may be, I try to touch base on the characters more and, you know, some of the movie as well. But it's I, I find it more insightful and more intriguing when I touch base more on, like, on the actual character development with whatever it may be, whatever I'm talking about. So... Like I said, there's two more important characters to uh, touch base on, but I wanted to bring you to your attention before I, you know, I actually close episode 20. So Lawrence, <laughs> I used to probably like my favorite character uh, with an office space. Lawrence, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. <laughs> That's it? You had a million dollars, you, you'd do two chicks at the same time? Damn straight. Always wanted to do that, man. But who, he's actually played by Carl Daedrich Bader. You might have seen him in Napoleon Dynamite. He also played the dojo owner known as Rex Quando. <laughs> if you haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite, that's probably going to be another great episode eventually that I'm going to do. But yeah, if you watch Napoleon Dynamite, that's uh, it's good stuff. It really is. I... I was really shocked when I was watching this because I watched it like several times in high school. But I think my dad, uh, I think my mom was like out on like on a, like a like a woman's weekend or whatever. But my dad, he like came across, I think he just like got done working outside or whatever. But I remember him just like sitting on the couch and he started watching with him, you know, the movie with me. And eventually, you know, I actually started hearing him laugh some. I was like, this is this is awesome, you know. A uh, little bonding moment between uh, my dad and I. So, you know, I'll, I think I'll always like Napoleon Dynamite for that for that main reason, really. Uh, and other, you know, obviously, because it's funny, too. It's a lot of, a lot of weird humor that you wouldn't expect. Um, but I can save that for another podcast. Eventually, like I said, I, I do want to eventually get to, to uh, Napoleon Dynamite. So I think that'd be interesting to, to uh, look out to. But last but not certainly and least... We come to the mumbling pyromaniac himself, Milton Wadhams, who is played by Stephen Root. Now, Milton. But I said I don't care if they lay me off either, because I told I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time, then then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And and I told Dom too because they've moved my desk four times already this year, and I used to be over by the window and I could see the squirrels, and they were married, but then they switched. From the swing line to the Boston stapler, but I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much. Pretty much get shafted on a day-to-day basis at Inatech. And, um, you know, he's actually portrayed as a meek collator who is mostly ignored by the rest of the office. Milton's contract has actually been terminated for, you know, the past five years. The unfortunate, he actually got fired, you know, obviously, like I just said, he just got fired like five years ago, but there was a glitch in the payroll department to where he was still getting paid. Uh, that would have been amazing. Um, I think that's actually illegal. <laughs> uh, you should fess up to that, but anyways, that, I don't know. That, that, that's kind of a gray area. I don't know what would happen. I don't know what I would do. 
I think out of all honesty, I would have to say something, but that'd be uh, interesting uh, to go through something like that. But so pretty much he's fed up with everything and how he's been treated at Inatech. So he inevitably sets the building on fire after making numerous mumbling threats to himself and flees the scene with the money that was stolen by Peter, Samir, and Michael. What I mentioned about earlier, about the, the salami slicing and the... Uh, the uh, fractions of a penny uh, that they were the uh, the big plan that they were trying to make against Inatech. So yeah, pretty much Milton uses the money to vacation in Mexico at the end of the the movie, and it's funny. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like Milton kind of gets a bad rap, uh, but Stephen Root, I think he did such a great job with that character. But he pretty much just mumbled. It's just like kind of like. Uh, <laughs> It's like, I don't know if you ever watched like Game of Thrones or anything, but this is like Hodor. He just kept saying his name Hodor, Hodor, over again. And uh, anyways, but I just want to say thank you once again for tuning in to Press Play to continue Rewind. You know, I actually had a lot of fun making this episode. And uh, I kept watching the movie over and over and over and, you know, over again. So I can make sure I was, you know, getting everything and trying to be as insightful as possible for you guys. And uh, I just uh, sincerely appreciate y'all constantly tuning in. And I actually, I do apologize for getting this episode off so late, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, episode 20 was actually a solid one for you guys. Uh, thanks again. Seriously, I, I truly mean that. And uh, if you want to go, let's see, I have a few things for you. Uh, I always kind of mention this at the uh, tail end of my, uh, my episodes, but I do have an Instagram. It's Corey with an E-Y. Um, it's actually Corey, my name, C-O-R-E-Y, and then underscore W-I-T-H, and then underscore again, E-Y. Uh, and then I also have a Snapchat, C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. And then I also have a Patreon account, too, at, pre- uh, I think it's Patreon, um, I'm sorry, it's actually press play to continue slash Patreon.com. I think that I say that at every, you know, intro of my podcast, so... If you want to go there and support me, that'd be great, especially with the, uh, the current events arising with the coronavirus. Please be safe out there if it actually continues to persist. I don't really know what the deal is. Um, still kind of up in arms about it. Um, but anyways, I think, honestly, what the coronavirus comes down to is personal hygiene, honestly. It, Regardless of this virus, I think people need to realize that washing your hands, regardless of if, you know, we had a virus now or if we didn't, you should always, <laughs> always be washing your hands. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, I, tr- I definitely try my hardest to wash my hands on a constant basis. You know, I work for FedEx, so I'm, I, you know, I'm dealing with you know, exchanges on a constant basis between my FedEx pin and that little pad that I got to use to get signatures off and people signing off on their packages. And then I got to put it back. And then I'm very cognizant of the fact of what I'm touching on a constant basis, even before, even before all this virus mess or whatever it may be. Anyways, always, always, you know, at this point, be kind and rewind. Thank you 
Rewind. As the product of Press Play to continue, the show was produced by me, Corey Latimer. You can find me on Instagram at Corey with an E-Y and my Snapchat, C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. As you know, all things Press Play to Continue are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash pressplay to continue. I'm internally grateful for your time, your love, and your support. Thank you. (laughs) 